three scriptures in mind. First is in the book of the Romans, Epistle to the Romans, chapter 6. All the verses we read are quite, have been read before and probably quite well known from all of you. Romans 6, verse 23. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the act of favor of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Psalm 49, back in the Old Testament, Psalm 49, Psalm 49 verses 7 and 8, Psalm 49 verse 7, none can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is costly and must be given up forever. Last passage in the Gospel of John. John's Gospel, chapter 6. John 6, I'm going to read verse 47. John 6, verse 47. Verily, verily, I say to you, He that believes on me has life eternal. I was asked at lunchtime to preach that the gospel may last one minute. All the extra minutes that will come are because of my weakness. Because I'm not able to convey it so briefly. My dear friend, the gospel is a beautiful message. And there's several reasons why the gospel is beautiful. I'm just going to name tell you a few of them that I hope will attract your attention. To start with, the gospel is a message that comes from God. Whether you believe or not that God exists, you have to know that God is speaking to you tonight. So beware. Be careful. It is not me. It is not I that I'm speaking to you. I am but one of the very weak Servants that tries to proclaim the glad tidings. God speaks in the gospel to you. Second very attractive thing. The gospel has to do with you. Not with anybody else. Just you. Just you. Yes, you're in a room with other people. Doesn't matter. The gospel is for you. Just personally. A personalized message. Have you ever been to a meeting where you get personal messages just for you in the middle of millions, crowds of hundreds of thousands? The gospel is a personal message. Third thing, the gospel contains a secret of something that maybe you're not even aware that you actually have in your body is a little part that you may not know it exists. And yet it's the only part of you that will last forever. And that part, that component, that organ, invisible and unknown to medical science, 
It's called the soul. It's your soul. Your soul. And it's eternal. So the gospel is a message that God sends personally to you and concerns your soul. Why do we preach the gospel? Why is it so important? Because your soul, my dear friend, has been given to you by God. And your soul is in your body, is within your body. But what happens? Why? And why did I start with such a verse? Why did I start the gospel by reading, the wages of sin is death? Because your body, my dear friend, like my body, is a sinful body. It's full of sin. Our flesh, our heart, our mind gets involved in sin. That is things that don't concern God. Things that concern us, but are not bringing us to God. So, to try and present it very simply for younger ones, it is as if your soul is captured into something, a slave of a body that is sinful. So, Scripture tells us that the wages of sin is death. Just like our body, one day, if Jesus does not come and take you, if you're a believer in his name, will die. That's the result of sin. The sin introduced death. And it's full of witnesses. We're full of witnesses of death working out these days. But, dear friend, the gospel is a good tiding. It's a good message. It brings happiness and joy. How does it do that? In this way. The same verse gives us how it's done. It says, the act of favor of God is eternal life. What are we talking about? God is concerned for your soul. Your soul is eternal and God wants that you may enjoy eternal life so that your soul may not be slave to your body but that your soul may be redeemed. We're going to understand what redemption means, okay, in a minute. So, but how does this happen? How is it? It's by the act of favor of God. Let this be clear. If you've come here to see how you can reach God, how you can do it, forget it. Forget it. There's no way, there's nothing you can do that is going to please God by yourself. Just accept that the gospel come according to the act of favor of God himself. The grace of God, the mercy of God, reaches down to you. Remember, it's a personal message. Now then, to present this redemption thought. We read a verse, it may sound extremely complicated. In the English translation, it's extremely complicated. I've struggled to understand it. But thankfully, I had the Italian translation to help. What is it telling us in the psalm? Psalm 49 we read. What it tells us is this, to put it very basic. We have a soul that is eternal, but we are limited, aren't we? Whatever we can do, can we change our eternity? Well, my dear friend, the great message is that if it was left to us, we would be lost forever. But God 
in his extreme grace and love, in his act of favor, has given us a solution to redeem our soul. It would be, what does it say? It tells us that the redemption of our soul is costly. We would not have any, enough money to pay. I come from a country where people thought years ago, and some still do, that if they paid, their souls would be redeemed. And there are marvelous works of architecture and art all through our country in Italy that have been paid by people hoping that they will redeem their souls. Those works stand to this day for all the world to pay to see them and to look at them. But the soul of those men or women are not redeemed by those that work. They're not. How then can our soul be redeemed? That is, how can our soul be taken out of the sins of darkness, of that slavery to sin? How can it be brought into life, eternal life, in one way? And we must follow on to understand. And the gospel tells us all about that. That is the story of the gospel. So, who can do that? Only God. How did God do this? Well, we sang it in the hymn. God sent his son. Do you know who God's son is? I'll tell you. His name was Jesus. He came as a man and lived in this world about 2,000 years ago. And your calendar at home tells you exactly the timing where Jesus came. Because we live in countries that tell us that we are in 2022, and that's after Christ's time. <clears throat> so over 2,000 years ago, that man, God's son, came in this world. What did he do? Why did he come? He came, dear friend, to seek and to save sinners. What did he come to do? To seek for your soul and to save it. How did he do that? Well, we read it. That's in John's Gospel. It would be one thing for me to tell you all about Jesus. It's another thing, much more powerful, to tell you what Jesus said about himself. And I want that Jesus tonight may speak to your heart and tell you what he has done for you. You know, my dear friend, Jesus died on the cross at Calvary. Can you just imagine for a minute what was happening? The Romans, my ancestors, decided that they would go and conquer half of the world. And what did they do? Disaster. Disaster. They got involved in the most worst case in history. The worst court case ever recorded in history. What happened? They were all a bit undecided. They were about to have a celebration. It was coming to weekend time. It was time to party. It was time to rejoice. It was time to celebrate. So they got this man. And they hang him on the cross. A man that had done nothing amiss. And you know who this man was? You remember? It's God's son. God's son. They got him and put him on the cross. Why did they do that? Why did they do that? They rejected Christ. They rejected the solution that God had given. Yet, is God limited by man's actions? He is not. This is a message for you. 
whatever you may do in your life, you will not be able to stop God's work in your life. And God is interested in you, in your soul. He wants to redeem your soul. So what has he done? And when the world, me and you, dear friend, manifested our worst hatred towards God, and we're shouting, and we would have shouted with all the others, crucify him, crucify him. Right in that moment, the peak of the hatred of humanity towards God, God manifested his greatest love ever, in that Jesus died on that cross and poured his blood so that your sins and my sins might be washed away. Isn't that marvelous? Have you ever heard of such a plan? Go right down to the end. Christ suffered death so that you might enjoy life. And not just life in this world. Eternal life. Now then, here comes the final bit. The most important bit. You've heard about the death of Christ. You've heard that he was crucified on the cross. You've heard that you're a sinner. That your body is sinful. Your mind is sinful. Your tongue is sinful. Your thoughts are sinful. Everything. We are sinners. All have sinned. But then, how does then the gospel become real? How does it become mine? Read this. Jesus said, and he starts by saying, verily, verily. That is, in truth, in truth, I'm going to tell you. That is, I am going to tell you the truth. You know what God wants? That all men come to the knowledge of the truth. And if you have the privilege of sitting under the gospel message, you have been blessed with the possibility to know the truth. Because he that speaks of whom we've read is the truth. So he says, Verily, verily, I say to you, listen to this, here's the secret. He that believes on me has life eternal. There are no doubts in the gospel. No doubts. 100% guarantee. He that believes on me, Christ, has life eternal. Can you connect things? The gift of God, the act of favor of God, is eternal life. To a lost soul like you and me. How do we come into the gain of that? Look at it. By believing on the Lord Jesus. So the gospel is a message that God sends to you, my dear friend. But the gospel requires an answer from your sight. <clears throat> you may be, you may have heard many, many, many messages. Remember, the gospel always requires an answer from your side. You cannot, you cannot ignore God's message. If you do so now, you will face God one day, just like me. God will want an answer from you. Now, this is your opportunity to answer to God. To who else would you want to speak? The gospel puts in connection 
with the creator of this universe. With God himself. Who else would you want? God on your side. What a blessing. How do you get into the gain of it? By believing on the Lord Jesus. What does this mean? I've pondered this question years and years. What does it mean to believe in Christ? It's more simple than you think. It's basic. It's basic. Just believe that who came down here was really Jesus. He said it. He was the Son of God. He came. He died on the cross. He was buried. He raised. And he ascended to heaven. The story of Christ. There is no story like it. You know, you might tell me, how can you prove that? You can prove that. Just believe on it. And you will receive eternal life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will have eternal life. That means your soul, the eternal part that is yours, will be redeemed and will be in the enjoyment of eternal life. I want to close with one verse in the first epistle of John. 1 John chapter 5. And thus we close the weekend this way. First epistle of John chapter 5. Verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we should know Him that is true. And we are in Him that is true, that is in his Son, Jesus Christ. Final sentence. He, Jesus Christ, is the true God and eternal life. Doesn't that sum everything up? Who are this we? Who can say this? You can say this if you believe on the Lord Jesus. If you believe in the Lord Jesus, you have the understanding that he is the true God and eternal life. Scripture tells us, he that has the Son has eternal life. May you have the certainty of salvation in your heart. May you be certain that your soul is in the enjoyment of eternal life. How do you get that certainty? by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. May you come to him tonight for his name's sake.